Good morning. How's everyone doing today? It is Sunday, January 20th, 2019. I'm enjoying a bagel, drinking a coffee. That means it must be Sunday coffee with the Azorian one. How are you? Good morning. Gonna give it a few here to make sure I'm going live. sure we're all good here waiting for that little window that pops up usually to make sure I am live but I'm going to assume that I am so we're with it once again it is Sunday coffee with the Azorian one here I am your host the Azorian one Anthony Steves things look a little darker today because it's cloudy a little bit of overcast here in in Northern California, probably a few more rain, to, a little more rain to come. But yeah, how are you? How's your Sunday? Got some things we'll be discussing today. My main topic, of course, you may have seen on social media. I will get to that in a second. But first, I got to do the usual uh, the shtick, which is for everything Capeless Crusaders that you're looking for. You want to go to the CaplessCrusaders.com. That's where we all our glorious media is located. That's where you'll find our blogs, our news, our episodes, our special events. Everything we got going on is right there on that website. And if you're looking for the best shows ever in this area, allegedly, I can't back it up with facts, but we are. You want to be a part of the Capeless Crusaders Network. What is on the Capeless Crusaders Network, you ask? Let me tell you. Of course, you have your flagship show, The Capeless Crusaders. You have The Dame Patrol. You have Crossover. You have this show, Sunday Coffee with the Azorian One. That's our entire network right there, with more to come in the future. So stay tuned. That's The Capeless Crusaders Network. Everything you need in the world of comics, sports, movies, geekery, all of it. The Capeless Crusaders Network. We also have our fantastic sponsors, which of course... Empire's Comics Vault in Sacramento, California. We have um, Critical Dice. Critical Dice, where you can get 15% off of your purchase when you use the promo code CAPELESS. And, of course, Beard Bomb Brush. Once again, 15% off of your purchase with them if you use the promo code CAPELESS. So, there's our sponsors there for you. Hey there, Ruru. Am I ever going to stream my John Wick training? Maybe in an episode. We'll see. Maybe in the summertime. How about that? I got some local gun rangers I can show you my Keanu Reeves style of uh, training. So, my main topic today, of course, is the man, the legend, the filmmaker, Mr. Steven Spielberg. I have a lot to talk about with him and his legacy regarding films. Some television shows. Everything in his repertoire of being one of the greatest directors of all time. So, that's my topic today. I will go over real quick two things. One, the weekend box office for motion pictures. Those of you who are may not know, it is MLK weekend. If you don't know that, we need to discuss you and social issues and cultures and that it is Martin Luther King Jr. weekend and therefore that makes it a big box office weekend and of course as I take a sip here we had the debut of Glass the third in the Unbreakable trilogy which is of course Unbreakable Split and now Glass that opened this weekend and it did take of course the top weekend spot it debuted on six. It made sixteen million on Friday alone. Uh, right now, we're looking at a forty million dollar weekend for Glass. I don't recall what the projections were. 
for it. Um, looking through some of the notes here. Uh, yeah, it, it, I mean, I don't think it costs that much. Made $40 million for the weekend, it's looking like. Number one for the weekend, there's that. Um, yeah, I'm going to get right to that, Ruru. Um, it, well, it made its profit. Glass was not that expensive a movie to make by present-day terms. It cost $20 million to make the film. So, made $20 million. If it made $40 million over the weekend, hey, good job. Which, by the way... That's not something you hear a lot lately with box office, um, box office production costs. Twenty million to make this movie. That that's like that's cheap today, cheap for today's standards and budget. Uh, not the cheapest, but twenty million used to be used to be a big production in like the nineties. Uh, twenty million to make glass. I'm surprised by that. I thought it was going to be more to make that. Um, made 40 million in the U.S., including the foreign market. It's made, it's just short of 90 million. So it's definitely going to turn a profit for Mr. Shyamalan. And, uh, ooh, who was the production company behind that? It's not Warner Brothers, is it? I think it's Universal. I forgot. Yeah, whatever. I loved Unbreakable. Unbreakable is my favorite M. Night Shyamalan film. Um, I put it above, I put it above The Sixth Sense and, um, Signs. Those are, remember he had those three back-to-back -back hits that were fantastic, everyone loved, and then he kind of dropped off. Uh, I know, of course, we know, hey, we all know uh, Sixth Sense was his big, you know, coming out party, but Unbreakable was the one that I enjoyed more. It's cheap because they don't have RDJ taking 50 million. You got a point there. You do got a point. There's no RDJ, but I mean, I mean, yeah, Nick Fury, but I guess he doesn't command that much. Bruce Willis is a legend, but I guess he doesn't command that much. McAvoy is Professor Xavier, but again, you're right, he's not RDJ. And you know what? God bless you, RDJ. Um, yeah, Dragon Ball Z, too. Good call on Rue. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z actually broke into the top three. How about that? For you Dragon Ball Z fans out there, well done. My, uh, my sister-in-law's current, uh, her man, her man, he, uh, he is a big Dragon Ball Z fan, so he's very excited for that. Jackie. He's playing when he should be eating. It's crazy. Um, yeah, Dragon Ball Z got in the third, top three, 10 million. Which, I'm not expecting that to be too big of a production budget right there. Well, it's not available because, you know, they're collecting all the, you know, crayons. And I'm kidding. I know animation that with crayons. It's with markers. Yeah, 467 theaters, and it got third over the weekend. So, yeah, that's that's big for Dragon Ball Z. That's that's you'll be seeing more coming out of them. Um, the Upside got second for the weekend. Why am I forgetting what that? Oh, the Kevin Hart, Brian Cranston film. That's what that is. Got it. All right, it's not the opening weekend though, is it? It's been out already for a while, or, or one week. Or did it come out this weekend? No, yeah, January 11th. Okay. Last weekend opening. Second place, not bad. It's made $43 million. Uh, it's production of 37 so profit. I heard good things about it. Um, so there's your top three at the weekend box office. Glass did take it as we thought it would. Not a real shocker, but Dragon Ball Z taking the third place spot on less than 500 theaters. Good job, Dragon Ball Z fans. Well done. I knew of Dragon Ball Z... I know the main character. I know that guy. Um, Oscar, again, my, my sister-in-law's boyfriend, he will go on a tangent saying he's stronger than Superman. Um, I know Anderson would have an issue with that, and they can have a battle with that, but I don't know much about the character. I know he's like the elite of the show, so I'm going to say maybe he puts up a fight. I can't determine whether he'd win or not, but... Uh, those of you also wondering where I'm getting my info from, it is Box Office Mojo. That's where I got my information from. Just in case you are curious, you can go there and look more into the weekend estimates, um, which of course the top 2018 films domestically is still Black Panther. So there you have it for the weekend. Um, and other news, I am halfway through The Punisher season two. I am thoroughly enjoying it. Um, 
I do love me some Frank Castle. For those of you wondering, no. Not just because of the violence, although, man, is he good at what he does. Um, I like the story it's going. I like the how in-depth they go with Frank. It's not just he's a killing machine. There's an actual human behind that rage. And I like when they delve into that. So I'm really enjoying it. We are continuing with Frank's exploits. He's trying to live a life of peace. But something occurs, and he is not the type to turn a blind eye to something uh, when one is being harmed or something wrong is taking place. He can't turn a blind eye to it. And he puts himself in the middle of it, and chaos ensues. So, one moment, please. Jackson. Stop. Making noises in the background. Um... So he is in the middle of something again. We also see Billy. Billy returns. Jigsaw. Also very interesting what they're doing with his character this season. Because what Frank had intended to leave him with for the rest of his life backfired. So I don't want to go into more detail because it's interesting to find out for yourself. It's on Netflix. I'm on episode six. Or I finished six. Somewhere in that area. It's looking good. I am really enjoying it. And I can't wait to hear the news from Netflix that they're going to cancel it. So they can tear my heart out again like they did in October with Daredevil. I'm, the over-under is two weeks right now. So I'm expecting within two weeks of Netflix saying they're pulling the plug. I was kind of hoping to hear like huge amounts of reviews saying it's amazing at the same time the cancellation occurs. Just to kind of really just mm, dig in. Because as much as I love Netflix, which I do, they also anger me. But I'm not going to cancel anytime soon, so there you have it. It's Nightbot talking. All right, so we've had our box office mojo conversation. We've had our Punisher conversation. Oh, fun fact. Yep, you're right, Ruru. They gotta make you fall in love with the candy before they take it away. That's what they do to me. It's okay. One moment. Come here. Hey. Okay. They got Toy Story playing in the background, but things occur like getting strawberry jam on your finger and not wiping it off yourself. So I had to wipe it off. Those of you who were watching, that's what was happening. Those of you just listening to me. I took a moment to wipe my finger, my, my son's finger from Jerry, from Strawberry Jam. There you have it. Um, so, uh, what I was going to say is a little thing I noticed in Punisher. Jackie, sit down. I noticed in Punisher was uh, the main villain's wife is the same actress who was in Superman 3. She played Lana. Grown up Lana Lang. That's her. So, there's some insight for you. It's going to be fun today. They're going to be noisy. Hopefully the mic is helping. Sorry, David Barry. Um, now, on to our main topic. As many of you know, the Azorian one here is a huge film fanatic. I love all things movies. All of them. Okay? All things movies... I'm all about. I practically learned English from movies. I'm trying to fix my mic here real quick and bring it up a little. Put it right in the middle here. Because it's kind of broken. Hint, hint to David Barry. It's kind of broken. I might need a, a new clip. I need a new clip for this mic ever since the Crusaders like started. Like when we first got these mics. The little holder part of the mic after like the second or third using cracked off okay too much too much milk okay so it cracked and now i'm like i have a jerry rigged away and now that i'm messing with the mic i'm probably hurting david barry's ears when he when he actually you know does the editing for this for youtube so sorry about that barry um a big film fanatic i love all things film i will even watch horrible films and uh find some fun out of it 
But the man responsible for my love of film. Quiet. The man responsible for my love of film, for all things film. Just got just hot glue to the clothing. I should. I should hot glue to the clothing clip. Next up. Thank you. Um, the man responsible for my love for film is, of course, Steven Spielberg. Uh, the number of, and I'm no, I'm not alone in that category. I know many, many people are in love with films because of the films this man created. Um, I thought that the uh, the film on my chest was my first Spielberg film back when I was a little kid. I had realized that all these movies I'd been watching until I got a little older. I'd realized all these movies I'd been watching were made by the same man. That movies that I loved that I was watching were made by the same man. And that, of course, is Steven Spielberg. Um, so, I ended up becoming... Because I, I used to be the kid who just watched the movies, but then I ended up being that kid who would sit in the credits, while the, sit in the theater while the credits were rolling and looking at the names on the screen. Who's the director? Who's the writer? Who's the producer? I, I did that before I even hit high school. And that's when I realized Spielberg was a name that came up quite a bit in the movies I enjoyed watching. That's when I started paying attention to filming styles and directing styles and the way things are done, why I like Spielberg films. So I thought I'd go over a bit of the legacy of the man who was responsible for my love for film, Mr. Spielberg. Of course, those of you who don't know, he was born December 18th in Cincinnati, Ohio, 1946. 1946. Wow, he's... Carry the one. 72? He'll be 73 this year. How about that? That was, my, that was a beautiful mind in my head. I was writing on the glass tile in my brain to get the numbers right. Uh, he, of course, is a part of the... I don't know what their actual name was. You know, you had the Brat Pack, the Brat Pack when it came to the actors in the 80s, like Emilio and Judd Nelson and um, Ali Sheedy, Molly Ringwald, that was the Brat Pack. For directors, I don't remember what their names, what their name was, but there was this crew in the 70s that were like the upcoming new big names in filmmaking. They were going to just take over the land. They were the, for those of you wrestling fans, they were the NWO or the DX of the motion picture industry at the time. And those names are, of course, Francis Ford Coppola, Marty Scorsese, you gotta say it like that, Marty Scorsese, uh, George Lucas, Brian De Palma, and Steven Spielberg. These five were the five guys going to USC, becoming the next big names in film. They were cranking out these short films that everyone's like, oh, these guys are outstanding, oh. And then Francis, of course, of the crew, makes The Godfather. And that's where it begins. The Godfather, of course, becomes one of the greatest films of all time, one of the most referenced films of all time in filmmaking. But to know that these five guys were hanging out together, shooting pool, drinking, talking about their movie ideas, and actually having this ability to go make that movie magic. Me, I can talk to you about movie ideas I have like that. I don't have... Marty Scorsese and Brian De Palma next to me to hear me about my mob stories I want to tell. I don't have Coppola and Lucas over there saying they'll produce whatever ideas I have. But these guys were these young bucks. Young bucks. Like that, Barry? Young bucks who... Excuse me. Have this ability. They're in the scene. They're in the area. People know they got talent. And they're getting this chance to tell these stories and show how good they are. Now, if you want a good insight into this crew and their their advancements in filmmaking, HBO did a fantastic documentary simply called Spielberg. And it's about Steven Spielberg's entire career. Both film, television, writing, and his coming up with this crew of guys. It's a fantastic documentary. I think it's two hours long. Kept me gripped, because, again, Spielberg fanboy here. But it's really, 
it really gives you an insight as to the man behind the camera, the films he made, and what was going on with him while making those films. So, if you get a chance, Spielberg on HBO, it's fantastic. So, while um, Coppola is riding high with Godfather, um, let me make sure the volume is not too high that we get copyright infringement because a certain Disney film about toys that come to life is playing on the TV screen. Try to balance my Wi-Fi so I go straight to the PS4. Um, let me make sure I'm on my right tab here. That'd be nice. That's producer. Sorry. Forgive me. Technical difficulties. Um, so while Coppola is riding high with the Godfather, Jackie, you've got Spielberg coming up with his own ideas. Excuse <laughs> me. <laughs> I'm fighting something. It's not a cold. It's just a cough. It's weird. I don't know. But Spielberg had made these short films while attending USC. Now, Spielberg did not graduate USC. He ended up going right into films before he graduated. Now, I believe he ended up finishing it up later in his career, but at this time, he stopped. He made short films called The Last Gun, Fighter Squad, Escape to Nowhere. Uh, he ended up getting noticed when he did a short film called Amblin. And that, of course, would lead to becoming his lead to become his his production company, Amblin, Amblin Entertainment. It's the company you see ET flying off on. That's the company. So he gets noticed for that, and the guy ends up doing a movie called Duel, a TV movie about this runaway big rig going after this guy in his car. And it was intense. It's very suspenseful. The angles he uses caught the eye of everybody. Uh, also, notice build to this time. He had done TV episodes before doing Duel as a TV film. One of those episodes was an episode of Columbo, Murder by the Book in 1971. Those of you who are aware of the Columbo, he was this crotchy old guy with a, with a, with a raincoat, and he'd ask questions and investigate You know, were you here? Were you there? Were you there when that happened? Did you see her before she got home? Those of you wondering, if you've seen Princess Bride, the, the old grandpa was reading the story to Ken's, uh, Kevin... Kevin? Kevin from Wonder Years. Savage. Fred Savage in the bed. Uh, that's Columbo. Before that movie, he was Columbo. And he was a popular 70s detective. Investigator. One of those. So he did an episode of that. Uh, and a few other TV episodes for different shows before he did Duel the movie. And Duel got the eye of Hollywood. They wanted him. Time to make some films. So he ended up doing his first ever motion picture called The Sugarland Express. Starring one very young Miss, um, oh my god, Kurt Russell's love of his life. Wow. Wow, dad brain is destroying me lately. Oh my god, Goldie Hawn. Jesus, what is wrong? Look what you kids have done to me. That's a lack of sleep, does to you? I knew her name for years. Kurt Russell's love of his life, Goldie Hawn. So mad at myself right now. Sugarland Express, which was directed in '74. Kate Hudson's mom, yes, that too, Ruby. Thank you. Um, came out in '74. Spielberg's first big budget film. Not a big budget, but you know what I mean. Big first Hollywood production. Does well. Does well. Jackie does a good job. Uh, and it's right after that that he is able to make the film that would give him uh, his uh, his calling card. That would make him the, uh, the now the next big thing in Hollywood. And that was, of course, Jaws. Only his second film. Doesn't have these long list of... Uh, he has TV shows he directed, but doesn't have this long list of movies that he wasn't noticed for. Jaws was his second film. Second film. And he hated filming it. Not because he didn't like the story. Not because it, he, was, he didn't want to be famous or get noticed. It just took forever to film. Jackie... Breakfast went by fast today. Um, so he goes through the production. He has trouble with the shark. The shark isn't working well with him. He hates the shark because it's not working for him. So what they decide to do off him in this movie is replace the scenes they're going to use the shark with either it being underwater or, of course, the point of view of the shark, which ended up making things more intense in that film, more suspenseful. The music made you know the shark was nearby. 
the uh, the point of view of the shark. You're seeing what the shark is seeing. Uh, the big finale where they've been able to launch these uh, these uh, these barrels to it, so you can follow where the shark is, using different methods of scaring you without actually having to use the big clunky shark that angered him so much. And I still gotta say, even with the clunky shark, it still looks freaky. There's still scenes now where it's like, oh my god, there it is. That finale, still fantastic. So with this film, Spielberg's noticed. He is now next big name. That was 75 when that movie came out, 1975. One of my favorite movies to watch in the summertime. Also a 4th of July movie. It's a 4th of July movie, if you think about it. Ah, you're okay. It's a 4th of July film. Takes place during the 4th of July. Yeah. Also, uh, Brian Singer's production, uh, Harry, Hat Harry, Nice Hat Harry, it's quoting the line from Jaws. So if you want to hear that line that takes place whenever you see a Brian Singer film, and it says that comment, it's from Jaws. It'd be nicer to go over that if there wasn't these um, floating allegations over the head of Brian Singer. But we'll see where that goes. Um, after Jaws, he goes right into Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So you do Jaws, and then you do Close Encounters. So it's like, boom, boom, two hits in a row. Richard Dreyfuss is becoming your new guy, but becoming the main guy of your movies. Every director has that, by the way, if you catch that. So he's got Richard Dreyfuss again. Alien movie. It's not an Aliens attack movie. It's a, oh my God, there's something else out there movie. Visually beautiful. Fantastic for him. The, now, the man is now 2-0. and In a row. Sugar, he went from Jaws to Close Encounter to the Third Kind. Morning. Welcome to the show. Um, got Jaws. Close Encounter to the Third Kind. Boom, boom. Hits. So he decides to do something that was considered controversial. He does a comedy. About World War II. Right after Pearl Harbor. Now, many have grown to love this movie as the years have gone on, but at the time, the movie was panned hard. It's, the movie is meant to be a satirical look at our reaction to Pearl Harbor. That, you know, the U.S. went overboard. That the state of California was going to be under attack, of, uh, be under attack by the Japanese. And it exaggerated everything in a comedic sense. It's meant to be funny. It's meant to be a comedy. Especially when you look at the lineup. John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd... Right off the bat, you know that's going to be a comedy. And the whole cast is filled with comedic actors. It wasn't taken so well when it came out. It was a, it was a, a loss for Spielberg. And I, I believe as the years have gone on, 1941 has gained a little more respect because it's been more time. Maybe it was ahead of its time. It's been later. People now realizing he was poking fun at the way we react. And maybe there were some things we deserved being poked fun at when it came to that part of World War II, the way we treated the Japanese, internment camps. I'm not saying we're the evil in World War II, I'm saying we made some mistakes in World War II that we need to remember. Internment camps, ain't that funny, saying that today in 2019. Not political, stop it. 1941 becomes a loss for Spielberg, so he's now been given his first You Suck. Sugarland Express wasn't a big hit, but it was good, it was enough to get him noticed. Jaws, Close Encounters, he's on a roll, 1941 hits, and he shows he's flawed, he's not unstoppable, Close Encounters is his opus to what alien movies should be, well said, Antic Fire, well said, it's an alien movie that isn't us being attacked, it's like a, it's a we can connect movie, well, good statement, um, so now Spielberg in 1979 is down on his luck, 1941, failed. He doesn't know where to go to from here. Because now he's flawed. Now no one's rushing to get a Spielberg film done. They hear that he takes longer to film than he should. Takes lo- uh, spends a little more money than he's allowed to spend. And when you did Jaws and Close Encounters, that was okay because you made hits. But now you got a failure. Now you got to show that you can be under budget. That you can be under... De- that you can deliver before the deadline. But he doesn't know where to go th- uh, to from here. So he turns to one of his buddies, George Lucas. Boys. He turns to George Lucas, one of the crew. 
Lucas at this point has already made a name for himself with Star Wars. He already has he already has A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back under his belt. Return of the Jedi hasn't come out yet, but he's already flying high. And the two come together and they create a story. A story about an archaeologist. Now it's funny because Spielberg had always wanted to do a James Bond movie, but never got the uh, never got the uh, chance to do one. Bond is something he always wanted to tackle, so he wanted to create his own James Bond. And he did so in the form of archaeologist Dr. Henry Jones Jr., better known as Indiana Jones. Yes, Indy, one of my all-time favorites. Lucas and him came up with the story. Lucas is writing the dialogue and the overall story arc. Spielberg is behind the camera. We get Raiders of the Lost Ark in 1981. And Spielberg is back. We got Raiders of the Lost Ark. You have two brilliant filmmaking minds working at once. The guy who gave you the Star Wars universe teaming up with the guy who gave you Close Encounters. And they give you these fan- this fantastic archaeological expedition with the man you once knew as Han Solo, who now is known to this guy as Dr. Indiana Jones. Uh, those of you wondering, in those quizzes when they ask you who you like better, Han Solo or Indiana Jones, I am the one who chooses Indiana Jones. No offense to Han. Han is the best, in my opinion, best Star Wars character. You can hate me. Uh, but if you're going to ask me which Harrison Ford character I like more, Indiana's my guy. So much so that I, so much so that I named my dog Indiana. That's right, our dog Indy, as you all know, the boxer, who's laying down right now. She is named after that man. I'm keeping the circle going. Keeping the circle going. And I have two boys. Here's hoping one of them loves her so much that they take that name as their nickname. That was the whole plan my entire life. So, uh, there you have it. Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark is made, Raiders of the Lost Ark is made in 1981. Spielberg is on top of the world. He's back on top. And he does even better. Because the following year, right after Raiders of the Lost Ark, we named the dog Indiana, dang right? Right after Raiders of the Lost Ark, you get one of the movies that will always be mentioned when you hear the name Spielberg. I used... The score music for one of the social media posts today in my in our Instagram story, E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Now I was born in '82, but I remember watching this movie at home on VHS when I was very young. And I was one of those. I think I was one of the few kids who wasn't scared of E.T. Because every time I bring up E.T., I always hear that people were scared of E.T. when they were a kid. I never was. I thought E.T. was like dog quality. There's nothing to be scared of to me with him. I loved that movie. I wore out that VHS. I played it like crazy. Again, this time, I'm not knowing that Spielberg is a guy I should be following. I just love this movie. Okay. Toy Story. Um, E.T. comes out. Massive hit. Spielberg does it again. He gives you an alien movie that is not an end-of-the-world alien movie. Not only does it give you uh, friendly aliens... He gives you this friendship, this bond that's made between alien and boy. And alligators in the sewer. And it's so well done. Uh, it, it, it's an 80s movie that never, I never get tired of watching. We, the, my boys have seen it. Now, at first, they were a little scared in certain parts in the beginning. But they've become E.T. fans. Mm-hmm. They become E.T. fans. This film sticks with me. It was Spielberg's big hit. Amazingly done. It made $800 million. $800 million for Spielberg. He broke the record. Um, something I didn't mention earlier. Jaws, when he made Jaws, Jaws is what started the summer blockbuster. Because Jaws made $100 million, And it came out in the summer. Suddenly, because of that, because of Spielberg's film... We now have summer blockbusters because of Jaws. Realize that. If you wonder why so many movies are out in the summertime, when did this all begin? 1975, Jaws. Steven Spielberg started that. He's the reason you have summer blockbusters. Back to E.T. 800 million. Spielberg's film owns the record for most money made by a film. He's on top of the world. It holds that record for over a decade. 
And for over a decade, he gives you films like the Twilight Zone movie, Kick the Can. He gives you Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. He gives you The Color Purple. Talk about a serious film. The Color Purple. Oscar nominated. Incredible movie. Whoopi Goldberg, Oprah Winfrey, Donald, uh, Donald, not Donald Glover, Danny Glover. Amazing film. You get Empire of the Sun. Little Christian Bale. Little, little, little boy Christian Bale starring in Empire of the Sun. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. My favorite of the indie trilogy. Last Crusade. That comes out in 89. Um, yeah, Jaws is the reason the word summer blockbuster was used in this way. Exactly. Um, always. Great film. He reteams again with Richard, with Richard Dreyfus. Reteams with him again. They make a really good emotional film. Um, a hook. Now, Twilight on the movie was, yeah, was good. A hook was not loved by critics when it came out. Hook became more popular as time went on. But at first, critics weren't loving Hook very much. He had a hard time filming that because at that time, Julie Roberts was going through something and she was not fun to be on set with. And while Robin and Steven were buddies, there was some conflict there. Julia got better. All that got worked out. Everything was fine. But Hook was critically not so good but fans enjoyed it, and as we all know, Hook gets referenced quite a bit lately. And I love Hook. I loved Hook. I loved Robin Williams' performance as Peter Pan, a grown-up Peter Pan. Uh, and after Hook, you get this one. The film that made me start to understand what a Steven Spielberg film is all about. Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park was the first movie where I read the book first and then saw the movie. Because a friend of mine who absolutely loved the book, told me to read it. I read it. I was young, and I didn't get, I didn't get everything, but I read what I could. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> There's a certain word they can't say that was just said in Toy Story, and they were reminding me that that's not nice. Thank you. Good job, boys. I'm not going to say it right now. Because um, then they'll repeat it and say it to me. Jurassic Park, blend of science and adventure, all in one... I fell in love with that movie. It is the film that made me want to be involved in movies. Because the fact that this movie took science, took dinosaurs, and put them in present day, and made it look real and believable. When I saw that the, a motion picture could do that, that movies could do that, I wanted in. I wanted in. I, I, I had to. So, I loved every second of Jurassic Park. The book is better, of course. And if, if you adapted the entire book, you'd have a four-hour rated R film. Spielberg's adaptation, which was done with Crichton, is fantastic. You can like the movie and like the book as different as they are. Love the book, love the movie. Jurassic Park is the reason I started paying attention to Spielberg. And that same year... He does Schindler's List. Now, before we get to that, Jurassic Park is where Spielberg broke his own record. He went from $800 million with E.T. He makes Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park makes $900 million. The man breaks his own record with his own film. That, that, that's, that's when you're on top of the world. You break your own record that you set. So Jurassic Park does that, and then Spielberg also at the same time, that same year, releases... Schindler's List. The film that he won for Best Film and Best Director. His first Best Director Oscar and his first Best Film Oscar. Schindler's List. If you've never seen Schindler's List, you need to. At least once. Um, I have watched it repeatedly, repeatedly. Not because I enjoy what's happening. Because I enjoy the filmmaking process of the story that's told. The story is so engaging. Everything in that movie is fantastic. Realize you're watching a Liam Neeson who is not that well-known. He's done... He did, he did Michael Collins, I think, before Schindler's List. But he wasn't a well-known actor. He wasn't the one we know today who's, you know, Ra's al Ghul or, or Qui-Gon Jinn or Taken or Love Actually. He's not that Liam Neeson yet. 
he's not that well known so he takes this role and runs with it and Schindler's List is emotional it's suspenseful it's intense it's going to push things it, it does push things because it's again it's the holocaust there's even funny moments because it's human that you know these people are in this horrible situation and find ways to try to make life a little better by laughing about things and it's so well done and it shows Spielberg is not just the adventure guy he's not just the you know imagination guy he can give you this true story and break your heart showing it to you so Schindler's List becomes his what he's known for in the Academy best director best film hands down uh, you then go on to the Lost World Jurassic Park Amistad he gets his second best director film Oscar for Saving Private Ryan those opening 30 minutes of Saving Private Ryan are, are moments that stick with actual World War II vets who had who felt like they were reliving D-Day in those first 30 minutes of Saving Private Ryan that alone fantastic film uh, it did not win best film it went to Shakespeare in Love Still, still doesn't feel right saying that. I enjoy Shakespeare in Love. I thought it was a great film. I don't think it beats Saving Private Ryan. I'm just saying. Um, and I do understand there's the whole, a director can win but not their film. I get that. Still think Private Ryan was a stronger film than Shakespeare in Love. Oh yeah. The, oh yeah. The opening scene of Saving Private Ryan was ahead of its time. Oh, he... Oh, you can still hear the bullets whizzing by your head, even if you're watching at home. Uh, fantastic film. Uh, then after that, you get um, AI. He takes that over for Stanley Kubrick. He does AI. Minority Report, which is a favorite of mine with Tom Cruise. Minority Report is a fantastic film. If you've never seen Minority Report, add it to your list. It's a fantastic film. Catch Me If You Can, when Leo DiCaprio is starting to grow up in his roles. So good. Catch Me If You Can. Uh, the Terminal, I thoroughly enjoy with Tom Hanks. War of the Worlds, Munich, Munich, a fantastic take on the Israel-Palestine conflict going back to September of 71, right? 71 or 72, 72 Olympics, excuse me. Also a great film. He did, he did do The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. We're not going to talk about that one. We'll just, we'll just skip Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Um... Warhorse, Lincoln, Bridge of Spies, The BFG, The Post, which is a fantastic film. The Post is a fantastic film. Love The Post. Ready Player One. Hmm. And he's got more to come. The guy's not done. He's 72. And he's, he's not done. He's got three... He's got two things in pre-production right now. And announced another. So... The man's continuing. The man's not done making his magic. I know. Buzz Lightyear. So those are the films he's directed. The guy also wrote films. Uh, two of those I can tell you right now that weren't directed by him, that he had his hand in on the screenplay. Poltergeist. The Goonies. If you guys didn't know that. Poltergeist, of course, was directed by Toby Hooper, a director of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So you got Spielberg on the screenplay. Hooper on the directing. That's why Poltergeist is so fantastic. And The Goonies. Directed by Richard Donner. Spielberg came up with the idea for the story, but couldn't direct it. So, Goonies it was. He also had his hand in the creation of Back to the Future. Because he and Zemeckis were buddies. Had his hand on that. So, even when he's not directing, the guy is presenting you with greatness. Whether he's writing it or producing it. Bar none. And, he's also responsible for one of my favorite TV shows of all time. ER. Michael Crichton's idea while they were making Jurassic Park, Stephen asked him what else he was doing. He said he wanted to write his pilot for a show about doctors. Spielberg said he wants in. You get ER. And I love ER. I have still only have two medical dramas to my name that I watch. Hmm. Okay, hold on. Almost done. Two doctor medical procedural dramas that I watch. ER is number one. The other was Grey, so I watched it with my wife. I don't watch anymore. Because it's not going to top ER, in my opinion. 
And ER is fantastic. Spielberg and Crichton together. Um, oh, Antic Fire with the question. Here it is. So the question to ask is, what is your favorite decade for Spielberg films? Whew. Why do you have to ask that question, Antic Fire? Oh my god. He's had greatness in at least three decades. The 80s, you've got... 80s, you got E.T., you got Indiana. 90s, you got Jurassic Park, Schindler, and Private Ryan. You got two Jurassic Parks. Schindler and Saving Private Ryan. And in the 2000s, you've got AI, Minority Report, and Catch Me If You Can, and Munich. I, I'm going to beach ball like an, like an Apple computer would. I, mm. you, I didn't have, have an answer for this. I was going to give you one of my favorite films of all time. You also have the evolution of Spielberg. Yeah, you do. He evolves in his decades. Um... Man, my favorite Spielberg film I'm wearing right now. And it's tough for me to say it because there's so many Spielberg movies that I consider my all-time favorites. E.T., Indiana, Schindler, Ryan. I'm I'm, I'm I'm still going to go with Jurassic Park because it is the film that made me want to be involved in films. So Jurassic Park is still going to be my favorite Spielberg film. Because of that. It's the reason I love movies so much. Um, with that said, I, I will probably have to say that 90s would be my favorite Spielberg. It's not easy to say that because there's so much in the 80s and 2000s that I love. But the 90s gave me Jurassic Park. The 90s gave us his two best director Oscar nomination uh, wins, Oscar wins, and gave him the all-time box office victory of the 900 million mark. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna slightly say 90s is my favorite Spielberg decade. Tough to say for me because it's like 90s and all the others are like right here, just next to it because they're all so great as well. Yeah, man, that was a tough question to ask. I'm going to think about this all day now, about the decision I've made about going 90s. But yeah, I, I will stick with 90s being my my all-time favorite Spielberg era, Spielberg decade. He, the most victories for him, and it contains my favorite all-time Spielberg film. So there you go. There you go. The out of nowhere question of Mantic Fire, thank you. Stressed me out, but thank you. Uh, Spielberg era for me, 90s. It's the 80s for me, Indie Trilogy, The Color Purple, E.T., and all its collaborations. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's, it, there's, there's, there's no wrong answer. There's no wrong answer, in my opinion. Uh, any of those decades, 80s, 90s, 2000s, you're going to find vic- fantastic stories. But yeah, 80s, 80s made him the man that he is, and I think 90s just went a little, uh, took another step in it. But man, that was a tough question. I was not expecting that one. I was expecting favorite movie. I was expecting expecting favorite decade. Man, Antic Fire. My brain hurt at 9, 19 a.m. on the West Coast. All right. So there you have it. That is my breakdown of the Spielberg legacy. He is the man that was able to, you know, inspire my imagination. Um made me the film fan that I am today because I watched Spielberg films. Um, I was Spielberg-esque growing up like he was. I was taking mom and dad's video camera into the backyard and filming my own movies. We used to have 20 acres filled with corn for the local dairies that they'd rent and pay us for. And you better believe every summer I was running through that corn pretending I was stuck on Isla Nublar and there are raptors everywhere. Doing that a lot. Trust me. I still have the scars from the from the corn palms themselves hitting me. Um, I was I was taking my parents' camera and making my own films. I was taking action figures and 
doing my own stop motion, even though I wasn't. I just had my hand there grabbing the action figure and moving it and making voices. Um, it, yeah, he's he's the reason I love movies. He's the reason I am the movie fanatic that I am. He's the reason he's the movie fanatic. I'm the movie fanatic that I always will be. Um, yeah, he's he's my alpha and omega in film history. It was very difficult. I think it was last year at the Oscars when uh, both Spielberg and Nolan were nominated. Because I'm sitting here like, here's my all-time favorite director and my all-time present and my present-day favorite director going at it. Didn't neither one of them won, but it was still tough for me to see that happening. But yeah, Spielberg uh, is why I'm the film nut job that I am. So if you haven't seen a Spielberg movie, which I think is impossible. If you haven't seen a number of the Spielberg films I have, I've told you about, uh, the entire Indiana Jones franchise is currently on Netflix. So there's your, there you go. You can watch the entire series of Indiana Jones films on Netflix. You can skip Crystal Skull. Mm, you know. Oh, uh, Antifire. Ooh, we're going to have to talk about Nolan soon. Oh, trust me. There will be a Chris Nolan Sunday Coffee episode. Not this month, but there will be a Sunday Coffee episode on Chris Nolan. Just just know that. Um, so watching Nina Jones, Cream of Crystal Skull is like Godfather Part 3. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> it's like Godfather Part 3. It's, a, it's an okay film by itself. But as a part of the franchise, you can watch Kingdom of Crystal Skull. I watched it. You don't have to. You can just stick with the original 80s 3 and you're good. Last Crusade, of course, being my favorite of that series. So, on behalf of Steven Spielberg, on behalf of the Capos Crusaders, on behalf of our sponsors, Beard Bomb Brush and Critical Dice, in both cases, you get 15% off of your purchase by using the promo code CAPELESS. And, of course, our sponsors at Empire Comics Vault. Empire's Comics Vault in Sacramento, California. Sweet K. Um, thank you for watching. Thank you for enjoying this episode on Spielberg. I am the Azorian One. You've been watching Sunday Coffee with the Azorian One. Be on the lookout for tomorrow night's episode of the K Plus Crusaders on the K Plus Crusaders Network. Have a great Sunday, everyone. Take care.